0: Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. We're uh, we're talking about how to be rich. Uh, I want to speak to you today about what God blesses, about what God blesses. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how to be rich. Last week, we spoke uh, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we were talking about how God, uh, you, ha- you can only reap what you sow. Who remembers that? You can only reap what you sow. Great, three people. I did a great job. You can only reap what you sow. Be a bit kind of foolish to be expecting to have a harvest from, and you never sowed anything in the first place. It's going to prove unfruitful. So you, have to, you can only reap what you sow and God will multiply what you give to Him. Right? But it would be remiss of me to then not follow that up We're talking about really practically how to live that out, how to do what I said last week. So I want to talk about what God blesses. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you so much for your presence this morning. We believe you're in this place. God, we pray that our hearts would be open and that we'd be ready to receive from You. Lord, we just invite the presence of Your Spirit right now. And God, we ask that while we just have have, had worship and all kinds of uh, great encounter moments with You, that Lord, when it comes to Your Word, that we encounter Your truth right now. Lord, Your Word says that Your Holy Spirit, that You lead us and You guide us into truth. God, my prayer this morning is that we be guided into the truth about what we're going to talk about today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to speak to you uh, from Matthew chapter 25. It's the parable of of the talents. If you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and open that. Matthew 25 verses 14 to 30. Who brought their Bible this morning? A lot of people. That's great. So I'm going to read. If you didn't put your hand up, it's okay. It's right here. This is what it says. Uh, Parable of the talents. For it. Now, It is the kingdom of heaven. So this is what Jesus is describing. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like what I'm about to tell you. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Back in the day, they don't have banks like we did, like we do now. So if you had valuables, sometimes you would, you would bury them. So this is what he did. where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and he hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful, lazy servant. You knew that I reaped where I have not sown and gather where I've scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast a worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping And gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Doesn't that sound absolutely horrible? I think it's very important to understand that we need to do our best with whatever God gives us. Do your best with whatever He puts in your hand. You think about what's in your hand. There's opportunity in your hand there's resource in your hand there's talent in your hand there's ability in your hand there's capacity you think about what God's given to you and and what he's given you responsibility for and you've got to do the best with whatever God puts into your hand I don't really like tests who loves tests tests no one, one person down here, he's a maths teacher. No one really likes tests, unless you're handing them out to other people. No one really likes tests, right? But i tell you something about tests. Tests are also opportunities, aren't they? Tests are opportunities for you to maybe show what you've learned, to maybe outwork what's been going in, There's great opportunity wherever we are. And I feel like God gives us opportunity all the time. I'll tell you one time my wife gave me opportunity. So when she says to me, and this happens on a regular basis, she sends me to the shops to buy a list of ingredients that in her mind are ordered. They're all part of some recipe. So she knows what they're for. They have five separate items to me. And oftentimes I think to myself, I will be able to remember this and it's almost like I'm testing myself and I say this, this time I've got it. I come back missing some, buying the, I mean there are just so many types of pasta that a person can buy. There really shouldn't be that many. And I I come back with the wrong product or it's the right product but the wrong brand. You know it's like who cares, don't they taste the same? No! No! It's like five people just said no. And this is why I should not be sent to pick up ingredients from the shops. Now, I had an opportunity, right, to do it well. And I messed it up. You know, you know, like we, we decide that we switch the roles. So maybe Sarah go to the shops and I stay at home, right? And while I'm at home, just a few things that need to be done around the house, right? But you know, the football is on or something like that. And you sit down to just watch a minute. Next thing you know, I hear the sound of the garage going up again. I'm like, how did she do it in that time? Well, okay. It has been half an hour, you know. And I realize I've done nothing. Fail. So now I've got to race around the house, pick up as much as I can in the time it takes Sarah to leave the car and come through the front door and then try to look relaxed like I did it. 15 minutes ago. You know, like, there are tests and there are opportunities. You have an opportunity to do so much with your life. And I think it's so important that we pay attention to the opportunities that are given to us. The parable that we read just then, it teaches us a number of things, but I just want to highlight to you three really important points today, okay? Number one, we're all given equal responsibility, but different amounts, We're all given different responsibility, right, or equal responsibility, sorry, but different amounts. You know, the truth is some people just have a better start in life, don't they? Maybe some people come from more of a wealthy home. Maybe you didn't grow up in a wealthy home, so you don't get maybe the inheritance. Or maybe you don't get the same, it doesn't feel like you get the same opportunities, But I want to say that when it comes to opportunities and accountability and responsibility, God is looking for us to make the most out of whatever we have. He doesn't have the same expectation from the guy with one talent as he did from the guy with five. What did the passage say? It says that he gave each according to his ability. So we have equal responsibility to manage what we have, but we all have different amounts. Hey, that's just life. Sometimes life feels unfair. Sometimes you feel like you get a rough deal, all right? But God is never measuring you against the millionaire that's down the street. He doesn't measure you against the wealthy person next door. You know what He really does? He kind of measures us against ourselves. Measures us against what we do with what we have. That's the first point. We all have this equal responsibility in different amounts. Number two from that passage, he's coming back with expectations. The passage that we read uses the word journey. The word journey, if you look at the original language, actually means like a lifetime. So understand the meaning. At the end of your lifetime, the master is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to ask some questions. And we have to understand that either one of two things is going to happen. We will die and meet Jesus. Or Jesus will come back and we'll meet him on the way. But either way, he's going to have some expectations of us about what we did with the opportunity that was given to us. And that leads me to my third point, which is really important. We'll actually be held accountable. In that passage, if you, I mean, if you get this, if you understand this, they were all held accountable. Two of them did a great job. One of them didn't. How much does it sort of sink into your mind that at the end of your life, whether you die or Jesus comes back, that you will be accountable for what you did with the opportunity that you had or for what you did with the money that was in your pocket? What will it say about you? what you did with the talent that you have. See, God distributes differently to various people, but He looks at you and He looks at me and He says, what are you going to do with what I have given to you? You know, the first two servants, this is what they did. They worked hard, they were diligent, and they had increase. They brought increase. And He says, you're so faithful. Here's what you need to know. God has given you what you have. Okay, okay. God has given you what you have and He expects you to do your best with it. Just to do your best. Don't measure yourself against other people. Just do your best because remember, it's according to your ability. Do your best with what God has given to you. And the reason why that's important is one day Jesus is coming back from a long journey. At the end of your life, He's going to have some questions for you. So what am I doing? Well, I just figured we'd have this conversation now ahead of time. So when Jesus comes back, what will you say? Oh, we did this with Ben. I remember. I prepared for this after hearing that message. Cuz Jesus will have some questions for us. So, let me tell you, we're talking about what God blesses. God blesses the work of our hands. He blesses the work of our hands. But can I tell you something that God does not bless? He does not bless idleness. It doesn't invoke blessing on your life. It doesn't bring blessing on your life. Idleness, what do I mean? I mean laziness. It's not attracting blessing to your life. I've got a passage of Scripture. I'm going to read out of the message today because this was just too good not to read. This is hilarious. Our orders, backed up by the Master, Jesus, are to refuse to have anything to do with, with those among you who were lazy and refused to work the way that we taught you. Don't permit them to freeload on the rest. We showed you how to pull your weight when we were with you, so get on with it. We didn't sit around in our hands expecting others to take care of us. In fact, we worked our fingers to the bone, up half the night moonlighting, so you wouldn't be burdened with taking care of us. And it wasn't because we didn't have the right to your support. No, we did. We simply wanted to provide an example of diligence, hoping it would prove contagious. Don't you remember the rule that we had when we lived with you? If you don't work, you don't eat. And now we're getting reports that a lazy, uh, lazy good for nothings, uh, a bunch of lazy good for nothings, are taking advantage of you. This must not be tolerated. We command them to get to work immediately, no excuses, no arguments, and earn your keep. Friends, don't slack off in your duty. If anyone refuses to obey our clear command written in this letter, don't let him get by with it. Point out such a person and refuse to subsidise his freeloading. Maybe then he'll think twice, but don't, don't treat him as an enemy. and Sit him down and talk about the problem as someone who cares. God blesses diligence, not laziness. God blesses diligence, not laziness. Let me tell you a little story. As you would know, some of you would know, Sarah and I, we we built a house a number of years ago. I know why houses are so expensive. They use enough bricks to build two homes. Half the bricks are in the construction of your house. The other half are buried in your backyard. So I looked at my backyard. There's bricks everywhere. Try to get a lawnmower over that. So I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you this morning, because I trust you, and say that I didn't really pay attention to the backyard. In fact, uh, where our, the way that our property was sloped, you would stand a certain height and look out over the horizon. The, the ground was quite low. You didn't really ever see it. So I never really paid attention to it. It was winter. I didn't really go outside much, so I just ignored it we over to some friend's house, our next door neighbors, and we're sitting there on their back porch and we're, you know, having a barbecue or whatever. And I look back across to my own backyard and I see a jungle. And I am not kidding. I mean like thick, like a jungle. And it's thick. There's heaps of these plants that have shot up everywhere. Now, the thing was was that my lawnmower was still at my parents' house, which is where we stored our stuff while we were building our house. So when I did occasionally see it, I thought, I'll get around to getting that lawnmower one day. Never did it. So upgrew the jungle. I looked at my friend and I said, gee, that's terrible. I said, I'm going to have to get onto that. I'll knock that over in a couple of hours. My friend looks at me and he says, mate, that's like two days work. I'm serious. I said, nah, I got this. So... I borrowed, I went back over, borrowed, got my own lawnmower and went back and decided to start to mow down these, you know, uh, I don't even know what they were. They, They weren't weeds. They were like trees. They were like between a tree and a weed. They were all green. There was no bark, but they were thick. I don't know how else to explain it. I thought that I'd peruse the area before I had decided to take the lawnmower through it. Isaac wanted to come outside with me. My son Isaac, he was two at the time. So we walked through and I'm not kidding, I lost him. <laughs> he called out to me because he needed help. He said, you've got to understand the property is 17 meters wide or the backyard 17 meters wide by three meters deep. It's not a big space. And my son Isaac says, dad, where are you? said, I'm right here, mate. I walked into the middle of it. We had animals living in the middle of it. And I mean, they had like a full bird's nest with birds living in it. I looked at this. I thought, this is ridiculous. I lost my son. We've got animals in the backyard. It's a very small backyard. I am going to have to get onto this. So I took my lawnmower and I expected it to mow right over. When it hit the bottom of these trees, it just stuck And I thought about the words of my friend next door, or this will take you two days. He was right. I had to hand pull every one of those things. You couldn't mow it. Do you know what I did initially to save time? This isn't laziness, right? I angled the lawnmower like this, and I tried to attack attack the plants halfway up. I figured if I could get it shorter, I would have done half the job. It's The blades are spinning. Nothing's happening, all right? I had to seriously yank all these things out, right? Here's really my my point of the story. I could have avoided that problem had I just paid attention to what I was cultivating. I could have avoided that problem. I could have gone onto that at the beginning, mowed it when it was still small, got all the weeds out and all the rest. It wouldn't have been such a big problem. The problem was that I didn't pay attention to it. I was lazy about going and getting the resources that I need to fix the issue. And in the end, I paid the price. Two days, nearly lost a child in the process. You know, so you—you you, you just laziness does not bring blessing on your life. It's not going to help you do life properly. Don't avoid work. I really mean this. I mean... Sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes people have come to me and they said, would you mind sitting down with me and maybe mentoring or, or doing something? And I sit down with them. And oftentimes, if I know that they just don't have a job, my big spiritual advice, get a job. Get get some work. And if you're applying for work and you can't get a job, that's obviously not the, what I'm saying. But I'm saying to people that don't want to work, you need to just have some responsibility. Be diligent, get a job, get some work. This is what Phil Pringle says. He says, Diligence is assuming your responsibility, meeting your deadlines, keeping your promises, preparing thoroughly all the areas of your business, fulfilling requirements and persisting until the project is completed. It's so important in life to be diligent. Why? Because God blesses diligence. He doesn't see laziness and sitting back on our hands and say, that's where I'm going to pour my resource. He says, no, I I want to bless the people that are diligent. So what I thought I'd do is read some Proverbs and, and look at some possible indicators of people that are lazy, right? So because if you read the passage, he says, you've got to sit down and explain it to them because sometimes they don't see it, all right? So here's the first one. The sluggard, which is the lazy person, is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. You know, the thing about a person when they're lazy is that oftentimes if they don't want to acknowledge they're lazy, they take their own advice, but they reject the wisdom of others. And all of their excuses seem completely reasonable to them. There's a great reason why I can't get work. There's a great reason why I don't bother mowing the lawn. There's a great reason. They all seem reasonable to them. But you know what wise people do? They say, they discern the difference and they say, no, you know what? Here's something in my life. I need to take care of it. I'm going to do whatever I can to be diligent and fix the problem so this doesn't continue to be an issue in my life. Here's the first one. Lazy people hardly, if ever, rarely acknowledge that they're lazy. They just don't. Here's here's number two The sluggard says, There's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Go outside and do some work. There's a, a lion outside. If anybody tries this excuse in this day and age, you can be pretty sure that they're just lazy because we really don't have lions. But you know what the righteous person would do in that situation? The righteous person would say, you know what, there's there's kids in this village. Someone should take care of that problem. Yeah, there's a lion in the street, but why don't you go out and face the lion and actually defeat it or get rid of it so that all the other families that live in the village with you don't have to be afraid of it. That's what the diligent person would do. It's so important that we don't come up with excuses. And, you know, the truth is is that some people, they do just have kind of endless excuses, completely uh, reasonable explanations to themselves about why they couldn't do what they said they were going to do. So, for example, if you're running late, have you ever noticed that the traffic is really bad when you're running late? Okay, let me tell you the truth about that. Everything annoys you when you're late. When you're late, you are scratching the barrel for excuses to try to, 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 like, give someone a reason why you couldn't make it on time. You slow up behind a car and you go, there, go there. See, traffic's terrible. They're late. It's official. Now I can actually say it. I can go ahead and tell people I was late because, you know, it's, you probably, your senses towards the traffic are heightened because you're late and you know it. Do you know why you're really late? Because you left late. Because you slept in, because you didn't set your alarm, because you couldn't find your undies, because you found one sock and you couldn't find the other, because you didn't prepare your lunch the night before, so you had to make it, because you had to stop at the shops on the way, because you were on morning tea that morning. And all these things, right? And what will you say? Will you turn around and say, oh, the problem was me, I was late, didn't set my alarm, didn't get the stuff from the shops. No, you say, the traffic was terrible. I mean, you should have just seen it. Five trains this morning. You wouldn't believe it, you know? Why? Because you're not taking responsibility. And that's my point is that if 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 you're lazy, a lazy person won't take responsibility. It's always everyone else. Come on, let's look at one more. Go to the ant. Oh, sluggard. They really could have used a different word than sluggard. But it does cultivate the right kind of picture in your mind, doesn't it? Does anybody else picture like a, yeah, slug? <laughs> okay. Maybe they knew what they were doing. Who knew? The Word of God. Go to the ant, O oh slug, and consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. You know, even the ant knows how to prepare for the future. <laughs> Even the ant thinks forwards about what's coming up and what they have to do. See, a person, this is like without any chief officer or ruler, they do it on their own. Lazy people always need someone to motivate them. Sending them a text message. Did you, hey, did you get it? Just want to make sure you did. Following up multiple, multiple, multiple times just to be sure, just to be careful, just in case. You know, it's so easy for people to just lean on the motivation of others. But a person who's not lazy says, I'm going to set my alarm. I've checked my calendar. I know where all the events are. I know what's happening. I'll be on time. I'm getting up early. They don't rely on the motivation of others. That's point number three. Point number four, both of these mean the same thing. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Can you imagine a person starving with their hand in a bowl full of food? You say, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? Just put it in your mouth. Oh, but I'm so tired. <laughs> Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, which is, you know, so he's hunted an animal, he kills it, but he's not going to roast it. He just hunts it. But the diligent man will get precious wealth. You know, you know the point in the both uh, is the exact same point. The fourth point is lazy people don't finish what they start. They begin something... Oh, they have endless ideas, but they never actually bring that idea through to completion. It's just another idea on top of another idea. And hey, let's face it. I love creativity and I love having ideas. I think it's great. I just think eventually you've got to go with one of them. Eventually you, you, you've got to start something. Eventually you've got to put maybe pen to paper and maybe commit to something. Who has a gym membership that is more like a child sponsorship program? I love child sponsorship programs, right? But you're supposed to be getting to the gym and you treat it like a child sponsorship. The money goes out. You never see the child or the gym, you know? And you've got the gym membership, so you're half there. When you went there, you relied on the motivation of the PT. Hey, we'll email you, we'll get behind you. That'll last for about two weeks. But then you've got to set your alarm at 6 a.m. or 5.30 to get there before work. And it is cold. In the morning, it's winter. Who goes to the gym in winter? Diligent people, Jason Isaac. (laughs) He goes to the gym in winter, I promise you that. I don't always see him there, to be honest, because I'm like, snooze. But my point is, is that how many people start something and they don't finish it? If you're going to be a diligent person, start something, see it through to completion, finish it. Finally, fifth point, the slugger does not plow In the autumn, he will seek harvest and have nothing. He'll seek at harvest and have nothing. Here's the point. You've got to begin to think about your future. You've got to think about what's coming up. The fifth point is people that often wait for the conditions to be perfect before they try rarely ever try. Because it's just not quite right. I'm just waiting for the right moment. The thing is, if you struggle with motivation and with laziness, the right moment, it never comes. Because the problem isn't the moment. It's the motivation. The problem isn't the season, the condition. It's just that you can't be bothered. And when you can't be bothered, you can't always just sort of blame it on the season. It doesn't make sense. So that's the fifth point. Wait for the conditions to be perfect before you try don't do that just give it a go start now do your best work with what you have you know no one can change the the condition that they were born into you can't change the family that you were born into or the household you grew up in you just can't and I know that for some people let's face it some people get a better start in life than others but you know what you can do start now take responsibility Do your best with whatever is in your hands, whatever opportunity you've got, whatever talent you've got, whatever ability you've got. Just do your best with what you have because God is watching that and He wants you to maximize every opportunity. Why? Because when you begin to do that, He can start to build His kingdom through you and it attracts blessing to your life. What does God bless? He blesses diligence, the diligence of people. So if you're sort of like, you know, looking at some of this, And go, well, I think maybe I struggle with motivation. Here's a great idea. Get a plan. So just start a plan. First of all, it's like, you know, when people go to AA, the first thing they have to admit is that they have a problem. So if that's you, you say, my name is Ben Faglin and I'm lazy. And you just admit it to yourself, right? Say it to yourself. Maybe look at yourself in the mirror. But first of all, just admit in your heart that you're lazy. Get around hard workers, get accountable, and get motivated because laziness sabotages your future more than anything else. It just sabotages your future. You've got to look forwards into the future and say, if I don't start now, where will I be then? So do something with the now so that you can have a better life later on down the track. I was watching a... Ted Talk on television on Friday night. And this woman became a psychologist and she's just trying to hunt down the the one trait that would determine and predict success in any group of people anywhere on the planet. So they went to like primary school, high school, they went to college, they went to a military school and they're looking and they're interviewing and they're doing all this work to say If we could find the one common trait to predict leaders and and to see people that are going to make it, this would really help, you know, society and people. So they, they do all this work. Do you know what they found? They found the one trait that was in everyone, the one common trait, they called it grit. They just called it grit. And they said, this is what grit is. It's courage, it's resolve, it's strength of character, you would be, if you come to Activate Church, you would have heard me say this before. Sometimes you just need to get a little bit of mongrel in you and go after it and sink your teeth in and hold on and give it a go. Can I tell you right now, don't give up easily. It doesn't matter what it is. Don't give up easily see one of the great things about sitting down with a person and explaining it to them if you come across a person that's lazy you know what you're really saying to that person you're better than this you can do so much more how much would you have to not love a person to call them to do better you know don't you want to see the best in people man i i I want to see the best in my kids all the time so i don't let them do everything that they want otherwise it's lollies and minecraft all day serious so I, what do I say? Pick up your clothes, clean your bedroom, all the rest of it. Friday night, I've started giving my son pocket money. Friday night, I say to Judah, mate, you've got to clean up your room if you want to get your pocket money uh, tomorrow. He says, no problem. <laughs> this morning, he says, hey, Dad, it was pocket money day yesterday. And I said to him, knowing the response, knowing the, the fact that he hadn't cleaned his room, I said, no problem, Judah. All I need to do is go down to your room and see how you've cleaned it. And when I see that it's clean, that's when I'll give you the money. And his response to me an hour before the service was, yeah, I was going to do that, but it was hard, so I didn't. I said, thank you, son. You have given me a great illustration of laziness, which I will use this morning at church. I was going to, but it was too hard. Come on, don't give up. Don't give up. It's so easy for laziness to creep into your life, but it's not something that God blesses. Hey, you know what God is looking for? God is looking for people that are producers, not consumers. What do I got? A couple minutes. I'm going to race through this as best as I can. This is what Jesus said. I, you didn't choose me. I choose you. And I appointed you to do what? Bear fruit. He has an expectation that we will bear fruit in our lives. He gives seed to the who. He gives seed to the who. The sower gets the seed. The guy that doesn't get the seed is the guy that sits on his laurels and doesn't want to do anything. The sower gets the seed because he knows the sower does exactly that. They sow. So the sower gets the seed. What did I say last week? God will multiply what you give to Him. But you better believe that He pays attention to everything that's squandered. He looks at what's given, but you don't think that He looks at the rest of it and says, I don't have an opinion on any of this either. He multiplies what you give to Him, absolutely, because it's going to resource the kingdom. But He pays attention to everything that's squandered. Do you know they did a study of people who won the lottery in the US? And here's what they discovered. Within five years, they had spent everything. Easy come, easy go. God is looking for people who work hard, who know the value of the dollar, who actually will make it work. And He's looking for people that will take advantage of every opportunity to build and extend His kingdom. It's so important that we understand this. We are supposed to assist the poor, not become poor. Yeah? you got to assist them. If you become poor, how are you helping anyone? You're not. So be diligent, work hard. You know, whatever that means to you, take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way because diligence positions people to prosper. God is not a lucky charm. He's not a lucky charm. You've got to work hard as well. It's just part of what happens. So here's what you've got to do. Be diligent with every opportunity and talent so you can be rich. And here's what will happen when you do. Your relationships will probably improve. Your stress will probably go down. You know, the number one reason for divorce in families is still the pressure of finances on the family unit. So you de-stress, you're able to bless. But you know what you really do? Man, you, you, you really help people. And at the end of the day, your Father in heaven will be so proud of everything that you've done. That's why you should do it. Because you're making your Father proud. So what's my advice? Well, don't become the third servant. Don't become the third servant. If you look back at what He did, Oh man, that guy was full of excuses, wasn't he? I, I, I would have invested the money, but knowing you to be a hard man, I didn't. So it's not really my fault. It's your fault. The conditions weren't right. I didn't have the right opportunity. And besides those other guys, they started with more than me. No, he gave to each one according to their ability. And he wasn't measuring one against the other. To the first two, he said, you're both good. You're both faithful enter into the joy of your master the joy wasn't decreased between the two talent guy and the five talent guy but the guy that just didn't make anything work the guy that buried it the guy that misunderstood his master he said oh come on you didn't get it the truth is at the end he says here have what's yours back but his whole lifetime he treated everything like it was his own because if he had paid attention to what the master said he would have taken it and at least tried something but he treated it like his own. And at the end, he says, have what's yours. He goes, if it was, if you treated this like it was mine, you would have done something different with it. So what do we got to do? Come on. Why don't we stand together this morning? Man, you've been, I don't know if any of this ever sits on you or just rests upon you, but look, to be honest, it does on me. And here's the thing, the weightiness and responsibility of being able to grow up in this country in this area, with this life, with these people. Do you ever feel the responsibility upon you? I do. You've got to look outside your own world, position yourself to be able to bless other people so you're able to be rich towards people. Jesus said, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. So when I bless the least of these, I'm blessing Him I don't know about you. I want to live a life that blesses my Father in heaven by helping the people around me. And I know if I'm lazy, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to attract God's hand of blessing on my life. What do I got to do? I be diligent. I work hard. I give it my best. Sometimes I'm going to fail. Failing is fine. At least try. At least give it a go. See, when... When you see your resources belonging to the Master, suddenly you just you just look at it differently and you feel different about it. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.